Okay. Um, pull out your, that little uh, handbook there. So just so you'll know what you've got there, this is, this is almost entirely just the stuff that came from the groups, that this came from this group, conversations, discussions. Um, so it's got the key stuff, the, the uh, you know, on the inside page has got some of the key verses that we talked about, the definition, uh, what that looks like. Um, this is, this is pure, and this is obviously really just a little lame thing to give to you guys to say, oh, it's not front and back. Is it front and back on some of it? Yeah, How funny. Yeah, Which would have made it whole, one whole less page to print out. Oh, well. Um, I was not clear enough. Uh, so you have, you know, what our vision would be. And this is, you know, one of the things that, that Paul is being the point person on. He's, he's spearheading the idea of us having that culture of discipleship. Um, that that would be the way our church would grow. Um, there are so many, and the, so what I want to make sure you know is as you are deciding to disciple people, um, there are so many different formats, books. I started to try to create a list. It was like, this is, a, this is ridiculous because some of mine are going to be outdated. There's going to be better stuff that's out there that I've just not seen in the last few years. Um, there's so many that, that really any of it's there. Um, any, and, and if there's somebody who you know who has a lot of experience or has some experience making disciples, then they're going to have opinions and ideas on it. That's actually one of the funny things about men's ministry too, by the way, I will comment on is it's, it's once you've experienced and if something effective for you in men's ministry, it feels like that that is now the way men, all men's ministry should run from now on forever. And so, you know, if you, if you got involved with Robert Lewis's men's fraternity and the raising a modern day night stuff, which is great stuff, um, you're going to feel like this is the only way to do men's ministry or the, um, there's in, in Tyler, there's the, the, um, dadgummit, my brain is moving, the boot camp, yeah, is the boot camp thing, for example. What we would want is, if, if you are passionate about a model of discipleship through men's ministry, whether it's Robert Lewis, or whether it's Man in the Mirror, or whether it's um, Every Man's Battle, or whatever that is, we would encourage you to create and lead that. Because some things are going to be better for different men than others. And so if you say like, you know what, boot camp is what I'm passionate about. I've been through it. I think it's awesome. Good. Then what we would want to do in the fall is we would want to have a boot camp study running, a boot camp group running that they could, and, and, you, and you guys would decide, whoever that was would decide, we want, we're going to all go to this boot camp event or we don't have to do the event. We're going to do the training or we're going to, we've talked with them and we've talked to people representing a lot of these different men's, men's ministry. And so far, none of them are just terrible. I mean, they're, they're all pretty good. And so what matters is, is there a man or are there men in a church who are passionate enough about it to say, we are willing to sacrifice to make it happen? If you are, great. And we will advertise it and hopefully you will draw men and do that. It doesn't fit with the model of the way we do discipleship in the church to pick one and then funnel everything under that. Um, but that's not necessary, again, because I, there, there's probably somebody in here who would say like, I, I mean, I keep pointing to Nick, like, I know Navigators is the way he was trained to, in discipleship. It's hard to find a better format for discipleship than Navigators. So he may want to create a Navigators system. And a handful of you guys, a handful of 12, whatever men in the church may want to get involved with Nick and learn that system for discipleship. Awesome. 
I mean, as long as you're not teaching some kind of weird heresy stuff or getting too, off, too much off in the, you know, we're going to beat drums and paint our faces and, you know, whatever. That's, yeah, I mean, for you, it's fine. Um, but whatever that happens to be, if you, that's, that's what we would prefer is to come alongside you in the way that you're passionate about leading men's discipleship, men's ministry stuff. That's our, that's the system here. Rather than picking one and then trying to make everybody fit it. Um, Anyway, thoughts or comments on that? Paul, anything you would add to that? Lance? No? Yeah, exactly. Yes, please. That's the, that's the, please do it. Go for it. We're going to really reemphasize life groups in the fall. So we'll be signing up starting in August for, to create new life groups. And all of life groups, all li- I mean, we could change the name to discipleship groups, but we're there with life groups. So life groups, that's all those are. If you are passionate about leading a life group, we want you to do it. And we want to make sure you have what you need to do it. That's going to become one of our cornerstones moving forward. All right. Um, meeting concepts, I wrote these down. That's this next page, the most practical stuff. I wrote these down based on the conversations we had in here. So topics and themes that you'd want to talk about in some of those first meetings. Again, if you have something else that you'd like to do, do it. Feel free to ignore this. Um, this is... There's no way to microwave it. There's no way to program it. There's not a necessarily, there are wrong ways to do it, but there's not necessarily one right way to do it. And so finding a way to engage in having those discipleship relationships, this will just guide you. If you want to have a discipleship relationship and you don't have something else that you have that you want to go through, these are some of the conversations that came out in here, these, these, the meetings in here. Um, the power of the gospel in our life, why are we here, that kind of stuff those kind of conversations. And then the meeting two of getting on the same page. You guys talked a lot about, you know, really getting into establishing the honesty and rapport and looking for the buy-in and having those conversations. Um, skills acquisition, it's a great idea. Um, and then further meetings past that second one, all types of things there. I just, I just listed out the ones you listed. I, I probably could have listed 50 more of them. I just listed the ones that came up last week. Now, there's not a finalized document by any means. Um, is there anything that, that you would see that you would say, okay, for addition two of this when it comes out? Um, in fact, let's do a table discussion. When addition two comes out of this, what would you want to add? Let's, each, each at your table, if you have ideas that you would want to make sure are on there or thoughts you'd want to see or that kind of stuff. Discuss at your table what you'd like to see in that next time. Ready, go. There you go, Frank, jump in somewhere. Do you have one? Okay, good. Good to see you, sir. Yeah. 
different yeah. story. That's a whole other thing. And, you know, This is almost as though you've already decided you're going out. Yeah, we're going out, right? We're going to go. You've already decided we're going to come to those days. We're going to do the discipleship. It's kind of like a Even though you know, I guess I'm speaking to be seen, but I mean there are some scripture references here. But where in the world are we going to get guidance into whatever it is that we're going to do discipleship? So is there are there key say men in the Bible that would we could study to help us understand any of these topics or things. Yeah, and I mean, right. you, you might want to have some kind of an idea about that before meeting one, just so, especially if there's an awkward silence or something, you yeah. kind of throw that out there, you know. Well, and I think you said establishing what you're doing inside of
All right, y'all ready? Let's share some ideas. What you uh, what'd you come up with that that maybe we uh, we would add to the the document here? The, the number one at our table was uh, yeah, you, get to meeting one. Yeah, this table was talking an awful lot about dating, so I didn't I didn't I was sure I was comfortable with what where they were going I with guess it. Meeting one, like if you look at the topics, the gospel and its power. Why are we here? Like a lot of this is is sort of centered around we've already decided we're going to do this discipleship thing. Right. And that, but getting from nothing at all to we're going <laughs> to do this discipleship thing is, we, we see it at our table as a big hurdle. That's a okay. huge hurdle to get over to even be able to do this. I'm going to start playing out of nothing at all on, the, on iTunes right now. Just... <laughs> Okay, so how do you make the original ask? How do you start that conversation? Like the very first, I feel like, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is, is the, I think going the direction of, will you disciple me isn't that hard. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Do y'all, what do you feel like about that? Like if, if, how do you have the conversation with somebody about discipling them or being discipled by them? Okay, you feel like you know them? Okay. Back to dating. Sorry. If you looked at a younger guy who has a couple kids that that doesn't have a pool, and you're saying, like, hey, Saturday afternoon I have a pool, and you're welcome to come bring your kids over and let them swim. I'd love to talk to you a little bit. I mean, that's that's offering them something that they want that you have that you're just making available. That's the great way to just to Mm-hmm. Arkansas fishing trips, uh, cooking out around the, if you haven't cooked out around the grill with Don, 
just getting together. What will happen is you will like someone and then you'll start a group Okay. That's a great, I mean, that's the, the, the main reason eventually I'd love for it to be that the only reason we ever host an event for men is to develop the kind of relationships that either allow you to, for them to hear the gospel or to grow in the gospel. So I think that's a great idea. I mean, whatever we're doing, if you said, if you wanted to invite, you know, if, if well, I mean, I've done this where I'm taking Mark on a canoe trip and I will invite another dad and their son, like, why don't y'all go on this canoe trip with us and Part of that is to develop that friendship. Or to well, another thing that uh, Milton Vanderpool and Nick have both tried to do here a few times at, at the church is to teach a class targeting a certain population. And if they'll get some people, if you can get some people to come, teach a life group, you lead a life group and get some guys to come and then specifically invite somebody, develop that relationship at a little bit more of a distance and then go with that. Or, I mean, I was even, Paul, the example Paul was giving, like, you've got young kids, I've got older kids. Hey, if you'd ever like to talk about, you know, being a dad for a younger kid as they're growing up, I've probably got some stuff to talk about. Like that's, so a lot of dads would be like, yes, please. I mean, yeah, I would love to have some idea of what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Especially if you're, I mean, I remember when this was not why, because Newt's kids were younger when he started discipling me. But I mean, I've, there have been a number of people who have approached Newt saying, you have great kids. Would you disciple me about being a dad? I mean, that's a, you're doing something right. Could you help me understand what that is you're doing right? And so um, whether it's in marriage or something like that, that's great. So helping them go on event, take them on event, invest in them somehow, um, offer resources. Yeah. Yeah. One or two of us might be able to say, let's we can do this together. Right. Like Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Chris, I yeah. always told people just look around and see who's keeping the same pace that you're keeping and take note of that. Last July 4th, when we were setting up for the fireworks, I came up here to help with the uh, stage setup. And I was paired up with a guy, and we worked alongside each other for an hour or so, just, you know, just sweating it out and struck up a conversation. <clears throat> in the fall, we picked up a third guy and went through a Richard Foster Celebration of Discipline book uh -huh. together and still stay in touch. Well, that's a pretty deep book, probably deeper than we, we were ready for. And uh, But it helped challenge us together. And there's a, there's a unique bond there. And I'm meeting with a guy next week, and we stay in touch. And when we see each other, it's an eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball look. And how are you doing in the discipline? How are you doing in your spiritual walk? That it all came about by just serving in a menial way one morning and seeing who's serving. So a little bit of that is paying attention. Some of that is is really 
in my opinion, kind of looking out for the divine appointment. Like, who is God moving into your sphere of influence is going to be a part of this as well, that you're paying attention to see that. Okay? What else? So the only other thing that, that comes to my mind is, and, and all of these are excellent. I'm not minimizing any of these when I say uh, the last part of it is, part, uh, there's just a part of it that is manning up and doing it. There's, there's no way around that aspect of it, no matter how. So the analogy this group kept coming back to that I could hear out of this ear was asking a girl out on a date, like how hard that is to do. And, but the truth is there's going to come a moment where you ask the girl out on a date and all the preparation you can do may make that easier, but it's, it's still, there's going to be a step where you say, you know what, I think I've got something to pass along. I think I've got something to teach you. Um, is it, is it, I mean, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. It is, it is very easy for me to go to somebody and say, you know what, you're, you're doing this so well. Could I learn this from you? Like, that's not hard for me at all. Is that hard as well for some of you? Like, is that as, as difficult as the idea of going to somebody or is that, yeah, it is. that is, that is still hard to do that? It's easy for you in the same way that you talk about the relationship with your dad and being a profession. Okay. I think because of your profession, because I know like there are things that are easy for me to do that most people it's not easy to do, but because of my profession and what I do every day in my profession, right? That interaction seems normal enough to me that it's comfortable. It's not awkward. Okay, to to ask someone to teach you. Yeah. Yeah. I would say in general, either way you went, that would be Because in, in even in my profession, going to coming to one of you and saying. Hey, I'd like to spend some time with you. I think I got something to teach you. That would still be very awkward. I mean, even in my profession, that would feel awkward. But coming to one of you and saying, okay, you're, you're really hitting this out of the park. Would you spend time with me and teach me how to do that or show me? Or That doesn't seem hard. But I don't, I don't want to speak for other people. Is that? I think that's a huge difference because yeah, going to someone, I keep going back to the Philippians, in humility, consider others better than yourself. And okay. I know that can be taken out of context, and I know sometimes humility can really be pride, um, but there's a fine line between uh, humility and insecurity. Right. Say, hey, I, man, I really respect how you live your life. I'd love to learn from you. I mean, that seems like the right thing to do. That seems appropriate. It seems, in our culture, very presumptuous and arrogant to say, hey, you know what? I, got, I really have something I think that would benefit you. Um, especially when there's not, and a lot of people talk about the relationship. Right, you right. You already have that relationship, and it's like, I keep hearing you talk about this. I've, I've dealt with that, man. Let's hang out. Right. When that's not there, then, and I think we've talked about that over the last few weeks. For me, I just almost feel like, oh, that just seems so arrogant. Like, right. Hey, I have a lot to offer you. It's <laughs> like the guy trying to fix your golf swing in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You listen, bro, you clearly need help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. You've seen me golf. I think, I, I agree. I think finding, it's going to be a lot easier and probably, I don't know if the word successful is right, to initiate the, if you're going to be discipling the other person, you probably do want to have some kind of relationship there. I mean, it would be really awkward to walk up to almost a stranger and say, you need help, you know? I mean, that's almost how you'd have to do it. Like, listen, I've seen you interacting with your kid, and you need help. So we're going to, 
I'm going to take you out. To, I'm going to take you out for coffee for the next few weeks because you clearly have a yeah exactly. Um, and and actually, I mean, I feel like that's be that would be one option, and then the man would have to decide how they were going to deal with that. But like, you know. Um, Right. As a man. Yeah. And almost every one of these examples are those. Hey, let's let's go on a let's let's double date. You know, let's 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 a class. Yeah. So that's what that's what men's events and men's life groups and any other life group. That's what life groups. So you'll know what our church are for. We're in a no illusion. That's actually, I've probably said this before, and I'm so sorry if I've even said it in here, but I mean, when, when the idea of doing life groups was first brought to me, I was straight opposed to it as a church thing. Um, not that I'm opposed to small groups and that kind of stuff. I believe in those. I, I always try to have numerous of those going, but, but it, it, the idea of having a programmed any part of that, I rebelled against because every church I've been at, they're, they're, they can be great, and then they can just be a train wreck. I mean, they can become so ugly and so bad. And, you know, you're in the life group, and a couple in the life group gets divorced, and the whole church has to split over it. I mean, it's a, or, to, or, one, or you decide to leave the life group and go to a different group or something, and it's the end of the world because it's this imposed intimacy, like somehow you're cheating on us if you go to another life group type of thing. It, it's weird how it gets created. And the purpose, people will say, I mean, I've been at churches where they said, listen, the purpose is to create intimacy within the church. We want you to have intimate relationships with other people to tell you, it's a place where you can tell your deepest, darkest secrets. And, and I'm like, yeah, you're not going to choose that for me. I mean, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to a group and I'm going to spend weeks learning whether I can trust any of these idiots. And, and, and there's no way I'm ever going to trust all of them. I mean, there's no way a group of 20 people, I'm going to say like, hey, let me tell you about my secret sins. Like, no way I'm going to do that with 20 people. Now, I might do that, and this is what our purpose of our life groups is, is to give you the opportunity so you develop friendships. That's all, we, that's all we want to encourage you to do, to get to know someone well enough to develop some level of friendship. And friendships are gradiated. You have, that's why we always use those delineators, like good friend, best friend, whatever. Like, but we would, I hope that every man in here develops a friendship or two that is such that you could tell anything about yourself. And, and know that that's safe with them. And yeah, maybe it's not, but it, it, that you're willing to risk it with them. Um, but that's, that's not common, and you're not going to have lots and lots of people that you have that with. But the purpose of our life groups is to get to know other people and hopefully develop some friendships that will exceed, that, that will transcend the life group. So it may be you go in a life group that's, you know, Doug, uh, Doug Foreman a few years ago did a photography life group. I think all women ended up going to it. But... Um, but he trained a, a, like nine or 10 women. Like, I mean, he's a very talented photographer for free. You come and they would study scripture and then they would go through and take pictures of things that he had connected to the scripture, which are pretty creative. Um, and, uh, so, but it's, I'm sure some of those women met someone they didn't know, met a woman they didn't know. And then they start hanging out afterwards. That's, that's kind of what that's about. Our hope is that you would have that relationship. We can't impose that and wouldn't if we could, um, but instead, what we can do is create opportunity where you can make a friend. That's actually the main purpose of life groups is to potentially develop friendships. And you may decide like, you know what? I'm not doing the life group anymore. I've got, we've made two or three couple of friends. We're going to hang out with them or whatever. We're going to host our own or anyway, you see the, the idea here. 
So that's one of the purposes is to develop the very kind of relationships that would then allow you to do this. So what you got? <laughs> That's right. You're going to start discipling those kids, huh? That's what it's about. Yep. There's, and uh, interestingly enough, we have people who, now you're probably, you and Hallie are probably working together, but you might find there may be other people in your team who, again, you develop friendships that way. But, Yeah. Yeah, and discipleship counts. With little kids, that's what we're doing. That's exactly right. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and I, that's the part that I don't know that it's ever, I mean, you can't unawkward it. I don't, I don't know that you can unawkward it. I think you can make it, if you know them well enough, and like we're saying, Man, I've seen, we've talked about this a bunch. Of, I think Paul just used that phrase. We've talked about this a few times, and I think it's time for us to be serious about it. Or you're going to, were you going to say something else? Well, that is discipleship then. Makes it a little bit, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. But if it's the way we spend most of our lives, which when you think about it, how, do you, how, do you, how have you created the friendships you have? Most of our lives, it's, it's just more casual. This is the life that I was living. And then so I found myself around the people who liked the same things that I liked. Um, this, is, this was the uh, point essential. I went to a Christian university that had social clubs instead of fraternities. And how those social clubs defined themselves was it was the same people who had the same also then had the same sin struggles, it seemed like, who just found themselves casually getting along. Right. Uh, but it was all very casual, where it took no effort to, to bridge into that friendship level that is more of a casual level. So to move from a casual, I've not put any real effort into this, to now move into, I want to make effort into an intentional discipleship relationship, it makes sense why that's awkward or hard, hard to skip. But if it's rather, I'm intentionally creating a friendship here, I'm intentionally and then now I'm kind of transitioning that friendship and cashing that in intentionally towards a spiritual aspect. I think that's where it's a whole lot. And the transition could be, again, we, we keep coming back to this, like there doesn't have to be a moment when the person knows they're being discipled. Like there doesn't have to be a, like, I need you now to sign off on this. What matters is if you, the disciple maker, are intentionally leading them to Christ to follow you in a way that you follow Christ, you are discipling them if you're doing it intentionally. They may or may not know to call it that. They probably will. They'll pick up on it. But if you're intentional in your friendships about drawing people to Christ or drawing people to you as you get drawn near to Christ, that, that is discipleship. So that, that, maybe the transition is a natural transition. For me, the difference what I was saying earlier about it's kind of presumptuous for me to go, hey, Trey, and I see how you're living your life. I really think I have some stuff to offer you. That's just weird and awkward, but if I see that, I know my intention, and I go, hey, man, let's go have lunch. 
that, that's it. We're going to go have lunch, and then we continue to talk, and I, we continue. Right. It may be a month later, and he's like, yeah, yeah, thank you, whatever. And so I, for me, it's good. But I, in your mind, you're intentionally right. pursuing him to draw him near to Christ. Our perception of intentional has become that it has to be. Yeah, and let's not let's let's not do that. Let's not. That's a, that's a good clarifier. It doesn't. There doesn't have to be a moment of de- definition. There can be, but there doesn't have to be. Some of you are just now finding it. You're suddenly realizing. Wait a minute, that guy's discipling me. I'm out. He's tricking me. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, Frank, what you got? Right. Tuesday morning intentional act is be at Corner Bakery at 7 o'clock. That's our intentional act. How long have we been doing that now? Two, three years? I don't three years. Three years. I don't know. So I wouldn't pay any attention, but Nick's been discipling me about this. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's doing it now. I just wasn't thinking he was doing it. <laughs> Yep. Right. <laughs> yes, it does. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Intentional. That's why our magic word is intentional. That's a great, I probably ought to put a whole list of words that we didn't put where we put intentional. We didn't put formal. We didn't put programmed. We didn't put, like we didn't put these words intentionally. Like we, we chose the word intentional because intentional requires the disciple maker to be moving, to be, to be doing this with reason, with, with a plan, with a whatever. And some people will be, it'll be very formal. I mean, you will want it a very formally defined, this is a discipleship relationship. And in other cases, maybe, it, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be formal. It just has to be intentional. I think that's important. Now, you don't want it to become too casual. Then it ceases to be. That's one of the ones that the guys who, I, I, you know, Paul and, and John and Grant and Jake, we get together a couple of times a month. And I, I wrestle every time, like, and, and, and I've had decided to become a little bit more formal with some some of the conversations we're having, but they don't know that yet, but that's a, like, is that a intentional, you know, where, where is intentionality? Is it intentional enough or is it not intentional enough? Is it too casual? So, I mean, I will tell you, there's, I certainly sometimes not only walk that line in some of my relationships, the ones that aren't formal, if it's not formal, it is very tempting for it to become hanging out which is, by the way, not evil. I don't want to imply that that's somehow, now that's evil. Now you're sinning. Um, hanging out, going to the movies, playing cards, whatever. That's not evil. It's just not discipleship the way we're talking about it. You may even be discipling that person. You probably are in some ways discipling that person. But you're just doing it unintentionally, which means it's dangerous. Because the friendship is powerful, and if it's not intentional. What were you going to say, Paul or Jason? Or you? Okay. Yep. It's a discipling moment and you have to recognize it. Yeah. Well, and when Frank said, you know, that, that open door happens, uh, I think whether we say I have something to offer you, if, if we recognize someone with a need or something going on in their life and just in our interactions with them, if they get the sense that we're genuine, yeah. that we're genuinely interested in who they are, they're, they're going to open that door pretty quick. A lot of, yeah, a lot of times you're going to get that. Because they probably, more times than not, they know they're struggling with it. They're just not sure what to do with it. And if they see someone who, who is uh, genuine and who is interested uh, in who they are, and I guess they have to have some level of respect of thinking that they can trust you in that, that you, you know. Uh, but they're probably going to open that. And so they're probably going to take that step towards being discipled you just kind of show that you were available. Okay. Uh, but yep. you don't even necessarily have to verbalize it. I don't know. I, the best example I can think of is my wife. Okay. Like she, she always says, she must have something in her forehead that says, please tell me what your problems are. <laughs> like her nature, like when she meets someone, they know she's genuine. Right. And they know she's someone to confide in and just, you know. Yeah, maybe we're... They, they opened her quickly and, and value her. Maybe a big part of what we're missing here sometimes is that really we're, we're overthinking it and underacting it in that there probably are people in our lives right now who have already asked us for help um, or who if they thought we were at all available would be. Um, and so 
that's a maybe communicating availability through the way we engage with people or whatever might be something. Um, in fact, I'll go ahead. Do we have any more of the, any extras? Yeah. May I get a pen? You may get a pen? Yeah, so we can, we'll pass. Where'd that pencil come from? <laughs> I didn't think it was you because I thought you threw better than that. A pencil? No one's got a pen? All right. According to the box, it's the best pencil in the world. Huh? Oh, you've got one. You just don't want to. Nobody else has a pen? I hate to use his nice pen. Somebody make sure Bobby gets his back. Okay. Well, I'll take my pencil. Okay. If, if you're available to... Dis, yeah, a whole box of them over there, right? If you're available to be a disciple maker, that you would say like, I'm, I'm, I'm available and willing if someone thinks they'd like to, uh, they look for somebody to disciple them about any whatever, then I'm someone who's available to be contacted. And here's what I'll do. If, you, if you'll write your name and a contact down, then that, that, will become, that will be available. And if anybody wants to know or whatever or whatever, you can, we'll have this handy. And people can say, I'm looking for somebody. And can you get, let me show me that list or send me a copy of that list or whatever. So, deal? Okay, cool. Show us how arrogant you are, Jeff. You're first on the list. <laughs> Jeff would be a great disciple maker for anybody, by the way. You just said that came to my mind was kind of what, how do people perceive us? And it's like if I think, man, I'd, I'd love to hang out with Bobby, but he just seems really busy. And it, it may not be true or accurate, but if that's my perception of him, then that may keep me from talking to him. And, right. you know, I'll tell people this a lot. If nine out of ten people come up to you and start the conversation with, hey, I know you're busy, yeah. but then that's probably something we need to evaluate in our life, that we're giving off that, that vibe of like, hey, I don't really have any time at all. And whether it's accurate or not, if people perceive us that way, they, they probably aren't going to, you know, push that and, and ask. And so it's kind of one of those things that should be kind of an alarm going off. It's like, hey, I know you're busy. Actually, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I mean, yeah, I'm busy, but I mean, I, I have time. And so just a thing to kind of be aware of. Exactly. Sunday nights, Walking Dead. Um, and when they do have that conversation of being busy, to let them know that you value that type of relationship sure. over whatever. This, this yeah. happens as, as a teacher. A student will come in who has problems other than failing my class. And <laughs> Everybody has that problem. And, and it's some, usually they will start with, I understand that you're busy and, and I don't want to keep you too long and I know you got all this stuff and you have to quickly say, look, whatever job responsibilities I have, that's nothing in comparison to what you're going through right now. And this yeah. precedence and, and for them to know that does change so they kind of, oh, okay, maybe I can uh, talk to this person and yep. get some help with what's going on in my life. That's a good point. Yeah, we need to try to make ourselves available, that we're looking for the discipleship moment, like we talked about the teachable moment, or seeing if there are people around us who've already let us know they're looking for help. Those are, those are some great pointers. 
Um, I know, gosh, we, did, we got sidetracked totally on that. Was there anyone, any other comments that you said, hey, we want to make sure these are, I guess we've talked about it though, other things you would like to see on this page, this handbook? Okay, be able to tell your testimony quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We discussed a uh, sort of a resource library type thing. Okay. At the beginning of a resource library. Uh, various things that uh, books or organizations or okay. Good. Any others? That was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> How about to, uh, a little surge in the system there for a second. Ideas to conclude it or to expand it. Or <laughs> How do How do we get out of this? <laughs> it's even more awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's a good reference there. Can you snatch the pebble out of my hand? Only the old people in the room got that. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah, but I, my experience is that ending a discipleship relationship isn't hard. They keeping them from just slowly dying out is what's hard is that when there's no longer a sense of urgency and maybe that's when it's okay for it to kind of die out, but that at some point they just kind of do, but I don't know that that's healthier the way it should happen, but it is often the way it does. Um, I've, I've often wondered if like in the therapeutic world, like we try to work towards a, a time of graduation where we say, okay, the original reason we got together, that's pretty much taken care of. Are we? Are you ready to be done? And I think you. I think the same kind of conversation is the only thing I can come up with for discipleship. Like the original reason we all started hanging out, or the original reason that you and I started hanging out. You know, I, I see you interact with your kids, and it's totally different now. So, I like the idea too of like how do you transition someone from a disciplee to a discipler? Yeah. And in the midst of your relationship, you're like, I'm just so proud of you, man. You've just come a long way. There's some people that would really benefit. And then right. miss that, you're like, hey, let's talk about, hey, what about this person? And you're helping them find that, and then they start, and you're kind of like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to go find somebody else. And you kind of help. Yeah. Yep. That's what the goal is to from go from, yeah, to disciple, from having disciples to having disciple makers. Like, that's a, from not just leading followers, but leading leaders. And, and again, I'm not, that's actually one of the things I do with this is, so the, the guy who's doing the disciple making is, they don't both get a, the disciple E and the discipler don't get a copy. Just the disciple maker takes this and uses the material in this book to develop the discipleship relationship and to, it's actually, I think someone at this table is asking about, maybe there'd be a handful of men or something you would go through. That's actually exactly what this is and the question's there. And then the idea is when you're done, you get them one as the, that's their kind of graduation is, here, you take one of these, now you go find somebody, and you take them through that book. So it's not something you need to buy one for you and one for the other person. It's really just for one person to have, and then later, people who graduate, you can help them get one. But 
Um, that's the idea. And then, by the way, the, what I do second after that is then I take them through. So the person who now they're supposed to be discipling somebody and they're still meeting with me, I then take them through the, through the book of Ecclesiastes um, because it sucks. Um, it is such a hard book to study, but it's so real and gritty and painful and it's such a great warning for men to study the book of Ecclesiastes because anything that we might be tempted to bail on our faith, to bail on our families, to bail on our moral decision-making, to any of that kind of stuff, the, the temptation that we have to go to Vegas um, where no one talks about what you're doing type of thing, you read Ecclesiastes and you read about a man who whatever it is you're tempted by, he has done it bigger, badder, and with more people at the same time. And, and he comes away from every bit of it just broken and depressed and discouraged at how empty and stupid it all ends up being. And so that, that path leads towards, and I've seen it. As a, as a therapist, like I've seen Solomon after that. Um, so it's one of the reasons I like taking people through Ecclesiastes before they make a bunch of those foolish or scary or bad or stupid or immoral decisions so that they can see, man, this, this, all of this stuff, whatever it is, and he tries all of it. Um, I think I actually have a, I may have that in here at the end, but, well, maybe not. But he he goes, I mean, he tries all of it, and it's really weird, even the list of things that he does as it goes through, and how it still sounds like us today. Everything that we're tempted to try, he tries. And it's it's not just that he's disappointed by it, it's that in the end, he's so disgusted and just crushed by it. That was one of the... So for me, and you guys know this because of my early introduction to pornography, like sexual temptation is going to be the strongest temptation typically for me. And reading Solomon, but I had a, had a client years ago who was a stripper, a male stripper, and he, I mean, he told me like, he was probably 45 when I met him, and he was like, sometime in my early 30s, I lost track of how many thousands of women I've had sex with. And he was like, now I married a woman who I just adore her, and I just can't make myself care about sex at all. And like, he was just like, I'm just, just dead about it. Like, it, it, for me, it is all, uh, like I might as well be in a porno because it means nothing to me. And, and to get to interact with somebody like that and going, wow. I mean, the fact that you can, that Solomon's right. I mean, it's just, it, it, down that path is just more death as a, to realize that's, can be a wonderful thing in the right setting, and it's just death anywhere else. It's just hard to sit and listen to a guy talk about. But um, Solomon does that with everything. So money's your thing. Education's your thing. Collecting is your thing. Knowledge is your thing. Sex is your thing. Whatever it is that tempts you, success, power, every single one of them. He just like, he did, I promise you, he did it better and bigger and he comes away just disgusted by all of it. So I've seen it, and I've seen it with money. I've had clients who were, the money was their thing, and they compiled more money than they could spend in three more lifetimes. And they're like, I just hate this crap. And I'm so disgusted by it. And I'm always like, well, I can help you. If you want to <laughs> take some of that off your hand. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You now pay triple. Um, just therapeutically, that helps you. Uh, just to help you. <laughs> exactly. There's a church that needs a children's building. Um, time for you to start investing in, I don't know, 
ministry staff. Um, but it's been wild to see this. I mean, I've, I have experienced it. And to see guys come in who are just broken and crushed. I've told you before, the number one age and gender risk of suicide has been 65 to 80. Every, almost every year, that's the number one age and gender risk for suicide. And it's because of the Ecclesiastes effect. I'm, I'm sure of it. They, they get there. So anyway, that's another great thing. If you're taking men through a study, that can be a good one to have them read it and dig through that and realize, wow, see Solomon's perspective. Um, okay, I will, I will create a new edition for this and we'll have it, if not before, we'll get it out sometime when there's a men's event or some kind. Um, certainly by open season, I'll have some of those ready. Um, I talked to some of the guys who are leading open season. I don't see any of you guys here, but um, this year, and so there's a team of four guys who are leading open season this year, so um, we'll see how that plays out. But um, by then, it's, it'll be the last weekend in August. I think it's the 24th. Somebody wants to look. Um, the last weekend then. Um, and again, the purpose for open season is to be a place where you can bring friends who will not, who would not come to a church under normal circumstances, would not hear the gospel under normal circumstances. Um, but when we're giving away guns and ammo and fishing gear and all kinds of stuff and have demonstrations and stuff going on, I think every year we've given away two or three guns every single year. And so at least, so you can, you can, uh, you, sometimes you can get a guy there to say, you're, you are entered in a, in a, in a uh, drawing for sometimes 15 or 20 different items at no cost to you. It costs you nothing to be entered in these drawings. And so, um, that's right, just show up. What we ought to do next year is have, but you can buy more options if you want to donate to the children's ministry building. <laughs> so, anyway, good stuff. Any other, anything else we need to add before we're done? Okay, I'll have that list handy if anybody needs it. We may even try to get it out to people, but uh, somehow to get it out to you if you, if you want it. But uh, um, thank you guys for coming on Wednesday nights, being here, going through this, engaging with it. This, this many men in the church who decide to be discipled, intentionally be discipled or to be discipling other men, and that would go a long way towards creating a culture of discipleship in our church. This many men would, would just revolutionize a church who were engaged in that. So if nothing else, I hope some of you are thinking about doing life groups in the fall or having a way to uh, start discipling people. By the way, oh, another really great way to disciple someone ministerially is to ask them to partner with you in doing something like running a life group or a Sunday school class or something. If they're a, a younger, newer Christian, say, I'm going to be leading this group and I'd love for you to be my backup person to help me with this. Great way. So anyway, all right, let me pray. Father, I thank you for these men and for the blessing and the responsibility of being men. Um, God, I pray that you would guide us moving forward. Um, it, is, it is my prayer that you would bless this church, that we would be a church. Um, I don't know what word to use. Defined, described. Um, Lord, that, that it, would be our, it would be just part of our DNA, it's just in the very core of who we are, that we are disciple makers and that we're disciples. Um, Father, I, I pray that that would be a descriptor for all of us, um, that we are disciples who are also either disciple makers or moving towards becoming disciple makers. God, these type of relationships, intentional, even if they're not formal, even if they're not programmed, even if they're not always planned exactly, but they are intentional to draw other people towards you. 
God, I think it's the only way to do it. And it's the way your son modeled it for us here on earth. So God, I pray that we would have that. I pray that we would grow in that. And I pray that we would learn from you and understand the yoke that you have for us and the burden that you have for us and that we could live that out rightly. God, I pray we'll be a great blessing to the women who we call moms, um, to the moms in our life this week, um, to the, those who are the mothers of our children this week. I pray we will be extra graceful and extra gentle and extra generous with them um, to exemplify your love for your people in new and exciting ways. God, I, I do thank you and I pray for you to accomplish what you've started here. We ask this in your son's um, precious and almighty name. Amen.